Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to rock? Batista with the catch! And Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher! I don't think he's pleased. Raymond Green looked like Duncan from Shrek. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. We're going to drink a lot of beer tonight. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get by. I know words. I had the best words. Am I being punked or something? Or... It's time for... Fanatic Radio. From Studio 111 via Radio Saigon and simulcast across the country via Blog Talk Radio, Little People 360, this is Fanatic Radio, we are the Millennial Show, I'm your host Mike Gardner, joining the always notorious Ben Florence, live and direct for a very special, exciting episode, actually I wouldn't say it's special, it's just the normal week, um, we, have, we, we, will have, we will have Super Bowl talk, drama that has unfolded, and what else has come of it, ball night, uh, several big stories in basketball, college and pro have occurred and of course we'll talk some baseball we all we all love baseball we'll answer your fan mail questions as well um but flo we have we have to start with the uh the, the evident headache that is the nfl no stranger to controversy the super bowl is set flo and i may or may not be in atlanta next week <laughs> just you know if you, if you want to enter the raffle to join us yeah, who knows? We we could be. We 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 probably won't be. Um, but uh, the Saints and the Chiefs are not making it. First time in five years, the one seed's been advanced. Instead, we get the LA Rams, the Patriots. And before we dive deeper into basically what the hell happened, uh, you ha- you satisfied with the two teams that would be representing the fo- National Football League in Super Bowl Fifty Three. Well, I think it's one of the things where, obviously, I got it wrong. I was on the Saint uh, Chief bandwagon, uh, well, ever since the Chargers lost. I mean, they were the team I won the bandwagon. You know, it's one of the things we talked about, we talked about last week, about most hated teams in sports. And I think part of the team's reason, at least one of the reasons, we know some other reasons, but at least the key reason why, everybody hates the Patriots is that they win all the damn time. They're always, you know, just about in the Super Bowl, it feels like. And even this team, uh, this year, a team that a lot of people thought was good, but probably not good enough to compete and go to the Super Bowl, is now poised to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think people really have qualms with the Rams. I, I think a lot of people have issues with just one particular call in the NFC Championship game that turned into to be kind of significant. But in terms of the New England Patriots, I think everybody's, uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, the Patriots again. And, but yeah, that's, that's where we are. And it should be a fascinating Super Bowl regardless. It always is an interesting Super Bowl. We don't really have years. Uh, like we've had, you know, a lot in like the, the 80s and into the 90s where you'd have a lot of matchups that just look like complete mismatches. Uh, I don't see that this year. But two teams are different, differing styles and how they play. Uh, one uh, young upstart team with an upstart head coach and one uh, legendary team with a legendary head coach mm-hmm. uh, will be something to watch. Yeah, so that's actually the first thing is – uh, the 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 whole thing with the head coaches. Now we have we have we have conspiracies here on Fanatic Radio. I will I will start <laughs> I will start it off with that. 
I I am excited for the matchup. As I said last week, I would not be surprised if this was primarily for the whole Nick Vey Bill Belichick thing, which now is the talk of the town everyone's mentioning. Uh, but th- but th- here is my conspiracy, and, he- and hear me out, ladies and gentlemen. The NFL <laughs> NFL wanted this matchup to happen because for Los Angeles for the Rams, the NFL this is their sweet justification that they made the right choice supporting Stan Kroenke's move to L.A. And, you know, other than, other than a New York team, Los Angeles is the next best thing. And, you know, you got all the celebs coming out to the NFL, making uh, the Super Bowl, making it an already bigger event as it is. So having the Saints, there's no inconvenience of not having the Saints, if you know what I mean. And the Patriots. It's all, it's, they, they are the, like you said, they are the team that everyone loves to hate. Because New Orleans and Kansas City in the Super Bowl, you know, that ain't a sexy matchup. New England, the dynasty against, you know, the, the, the now, you know, second son of the NFL going up against each other. It's all for ratings. It was all to sell more tickets. It's all to save face. Because they got to create a matchup as opposed to letting something happen organic. Am I insane? Am I right? Or am I just sort of meh with that ideal? Well, I, you know, I, I have heard the conspiracy that the league wants, obviously, has a lot invested in the Los Angeles teams, uh, probably more so the Chargers, for obvious, or the Rams, for obvious reasons. And so I, I get where you're coming from on that, but I think one of the important things to know, and I think a lot of these people that really just are, are just losing their minds, yes, it was an egregious and an atrocious call, the lack of pass interference late in the fourth quarter. But here's the ultimate thing. That wasn't the sole reason why the Saints lost the game. First off, they didn't play defense, right. uh, particularly well on that, on that drive. Or um, up, they're, they're up thirteen points, weren't they? Yeah, they were out there. They jumped out to a big lead. They allowed the Rams to hang around, and then ultimately Rams pounced through and persevered. I mean, you know, so yes, the lack of pass interference was a bad call. I don't buy it though, as a, some sort of conspiracy. Again, I think the league obviously is very happy with the Rams being in the Super Bowl because especially the Rams being good, period, because then they needed that team really to need to have some big stars and kind of break through out of the gate. But I'm, I'm not so sure I'm going down the uh, conspiracy <laughs> path, at least just yet. It's all a hoax to get ratings to Goodell. I'm just kidding. Uh, but the thing with the Rams is we've been saying all year, they were, other than the Saints, who snuck into the one seed, by virtue of just beating Los Angeles. The Rams are one of the best teams in football. I don't think people realize that. They think, oh, because they look at they look at recent memory. If they don't look at the body of work. They're like the college football committee. They're like the college football playoff committee. It's all gut reactions and because they all they look at what happened with the Bears and the Sunday night game against the Eagles and they think, Oh, this team is trash and they're not gonna win yet they have a potential MVP candidate in Todd Gurley. They do have a a good coach. I'm not going to say a great coach, but Sean McVay is a good coach. So the Rams are very good. And then it's like, really, are people surprised that New England's in the Super Bowl? They beat the Chiefs once before. 
and did everything out of the Beat the Chiefs playbook. They ran the ball because Kansas City has had for years a woeful rush defense, and they kept Patrick Mahomes off the field, which brings us to our next point that another thing that people are complaining about are the overtime rules, the fact that Patrick Mahomes and the high-flying Chiefs offense never touched the field in overtime what do we do with the OT rules? Do we do we like how it is, or do we want so, at least some change by some means? The, I think the problem with the overtime rules is that, you know, you remember when it used to be true sudden death, mm. and then teams would kick the, uh, get the uh, kickoff, turn it to, what, the 25, and they'd have to go like 40, 40 50 yards, kick a field goal, win the game. Nobody liked that. It was pretty anticlimactic, and that sucked. Then they modified the rules where either you can score a touchdown and win the game, or if you can kick a field goal, then they can either match or uh, continue on, or, or excuse me, win, which I guess is a little bit better, but it's really not ideal. The problem is with football, there's no – I don't think there's an, a truly ideal uh, overtime system. I think, in my opinion, I would like to see the rules change. I would like to see them do a quarter, not a full Mm. quarter, not the full 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, maybe seven and a half. So, because I understand one of the negatives, and again, there's pros and cons to just about any idea. The negative is that that is an injury risk. It's such a physical game, uh, playing for extended period of time. Uh, means that uh, players are at risk for injuries. And I understand that, but I think that way is a much more fair way to determine that than whether one team – now, again, but also the key thing is that you also have to play defense. You know, right. So, um, and so that's why I don't think the current rules are, not, are, are, are totally awful but they're, they're, they, they are bad, and it doesn't really work. So, and I don't think that uh, the NFL is going to go to the college overtime or even a bridge college overtime where maybe you start at midfield or something like that. I don't see them doing it. It's a little too gimmicky. But yeah. I, I think a solid idea is to have, like, a shorter quarter and just hmm. play that out. Like like a like a ten like 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 in basketball where they take a uh, in college they take a twenty minute half and they play a five minute overtime. You mean something like say like like eight eight to ten minute quarter? Yeah, absolutely. I think something like that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, again, I, I understand that there are risks behind that uh, in terms of injuries, but I think that's probably the most fair way to really determine. Uh, overtime, particularly in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. I do like that. I do like that theory. I think a couple of other uh, prominent sports guys mentioned that. Um, I will also I will also play devil's advocate and say there's nothing wrong. I liked how when they got rid of the you have to score a touchdown as opposed to just a field goal. Because my thing with with the people complaining about the overtime rule is, and we've we saw it. I want to say we saw. I forgot what other sport it was. Maybe basketball. There's some rule in basketball. But what they've done, or what what the people that want an overtime change, are basically punishing 
the 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 people that do the dirty work well. And what I mean by that is they're basically punishing coaches. It's, it's so by having this overtime rule, Bill Belichick did the best coaching scheme schematically scheming, best coaching job he could have done. This is everything I said mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, he did everything to a T. Thus, the Pats marched down the field and won the game. I think if you add the quarter rule, yeah, it forces him to do. It forces you basically to be you know, double-sided, where you have to have a good offense and a good defense. But what could, what it could also turn into is just a flat-out shootout, like a Texas, <laughs> it's like a Texas, like an Oklahoma Texas Tech game, where they're just gunning it down the field. Or nobody scores in the quarter, like what we saw with the, with the Steelers and the Browns. So mm-hmm. I like I like the way it is because everyone's a sore loser, and <laughs> life's not fair. It's like it's like what VAR is to soccer. We've talked about that. Go to the podcast, to listen to past episodes. That is bas- that basically took away the uh, the credibility of an, of a ref. Changing the overtime rules takes away the hard work put in by a coaching staff because that's what ultimately does most. I mean, the players go out and perform, but someone has to give them good guidance to go out and do it. And, and, and of course, finally with the with the overtime with the overtime rules and then the calls, referees. We've talked about refs before, mainly with instant replay, but has with, with with now with everything so replay focused and so heavily scrutinized. You know, we saw last week how that the NBA is endorsing or the the NBA refs are getting a Twitter handle so fans can interact with them or or, or talk to them during the games or some stupid thing like that. Mm-hmm. Are, are referees getting worse and and lazier in when when basically we need them the most? I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think there's definitely people that would argue as such because we've seen some horrible officiating, and that happened in both games on Sunday. But I also think there's just so much more scrutiny than ever, and I think part of that is because of instant replay, part of that is because of television, because we see everything. We have a million replays on everything. So nothing gets by us anymore. And I think it's ultimately a thing that people do need to realize that the NFL football is not an easy game to officiate because guys are always on the run. There's all kinds of stuff happening all over the field. And nobody's ever going to be happy. So I don't know if necessarily refs are getting worse, but I just think that there is just even less margin for error. Mm. I think I do think they're getting worse. You can see it in basketball too. Where, 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 the problem is, the problem is with, with every. And this is like and everything, like fans, tell the media, refs. They need to treat. They need to basically have a, a ground zero plan where everything is the same. As soon as you put like magnitude or something's on the line, that's that's when you should, that's when the human element kicks in, and. You don't, and people don't, and people don't attend them to go. They don't go with their gut. They end up making stupid decisions. We see it in basketball all the time, uh, especially in the NBA. You get into the playoffs, and tensions tensions are rising. I think if everyone kept, if everyone treated games like it was, you know, a mid mid regular season game, I think things, I think things would be a lot better. 
Because football football gets way out of control. Basketball, especially the NCAA tournament, that gets even worse where good teams, where referees let these stupid mid-majors get back in it. Of course, mainly that is if you don't know how to break a press, you're not going to win the national championship. But we see it all the time, and it gets on my nerves. I think, I think officiating is getting lazier because they rely on replay too much as a crutch. And but anyway, I am actually excited for next week Super Bowl. Uh, it should be interesting because there's a lot of big name players that have either been in a Super Bowl or are going to their first Super Bowl. Uh, but, but, but we've got to look at the losers because we have the New Orleans Saints two years in a row getting sort of you know, their own, you know bad things happening at the worst time. And then we look at the Kansas City Chiefs, best team in the uh, best team in the league, tied for best team in the league. Patrick Mahomes took the, took the took the nation by storm. Where do both these teams go from here? Because my concern with Patrick Mahomes is it could be another potential Cam Newton incident where he has the Chiefs have this great season, and then they don't even make the playoffs next year, and they're forever just held to this this high standard. And also with the New Orleans Saints is, you know, the few good years of Drew Brees are, are slowly dwindling away. Exactly. And I think with the Chiefs, part of the problem was, and he saw it with the firing of defensive coordinator Bob Sutton, everybody knew going into the season that while the offense had the potential to be really fun, obviously it was. They, it, it was fantastic. The defense we had a feeling was going to be pretty bad. And a lot of times, yeah, in a lot of cases, Teams that have such strong offenses generally do not have strong defenses because when you're constantly, uh, you know, playing from big leads, uh, teams are going to throw the ball and they find a little more success. Uh, so, but this Kansas City Chiefs team was really bad and completely fell apart and just had no ability to stop the Patriots at all on Sunday evening. So, particularly in overtime, but also down the stretch in the fourth quarter. So. That's going to be the key thing is while the Chiefs have a good pass rush, it clearly showed that if you can stymie their pass rush a little bit, you can really take advantage of that through the air and also on the ground. Uh, for the New Orleans Saints, uh, you made a great point. Drew Brees not getting any younger, and the window is closing probably. I, can, it, will Drew Brees be able to play as long and hang on as long as Tom Brady has for as well as Tom Brady has played? And Drew Brees doesn't – show any signs of uh, slowing down, but it's just, you know, another case of a strong New Orleans team not being able to get a gun, get it done yet again. I think the Saints are okay because as long as, as, as Cam Newton is under the knife, he'll, he'll probably never be the same. And the Panthers are, are just blah. Uh, and, then they're, and then they're fortunate because they have Tampa Bay and Atlanta who both stink, so the Saints will definitely be back in the playoffs. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they have the San Diego Chargers on their back doorstep, who almost be, almost passed them for the first round bye in the playoffs. They look like they're headed in the right direction. They have a young squad that could easily have been probably a better defense than Kansas City. Case in point, how they had more they had more Pro Bowlers and then they had more people of All Pro. Than the Chiefs did. I think with Kansas City, it's and that's tough. KC gets a first place schedule next year, 
So I could see them being the wild card. It's going to be very hard for them. Now with the NFL, when a guy, when a team has a good first season, they immediately put a target on their back. It's schemed. They'll, they'll lose. They'll lose the next year. They'll lose the games they shouldn't. You know, like they'll fall. To, they'll, they'll lose to Denver. Because God only knows what happens up there. I think people are going to start figuring out Andy Reid because they did so well with Alex Smith in his last year. They did so well with Patrick Mahomes in his first year. They still have no solidified running back. Kareem Hunt. Notice they actually got worse when Kareem Hunt left. Got you know cut fired from the team. So. And everyone's just going to take a look at that Patriots scheme because, and, and that's the problem that you see with a college, with like wacky college football offenses, is those teams get figured out pretty quickly. That's why, you know, that's why Chip Kelly was when he when he went to the national championship game with Mariota. Or no, he wasn't. He left, I think he left the year. He went to the national championship game with with some someone. He lost to Cam Newton. He left the NFL. His offense didn't work. Andy Reid is trying the same thing, and everyone's going to catch on. They're going to get better. They're going to get more. They're just going to continue to rush the quarterback. Pass rushers are going to be the new thing. So I think the Saints are going to be fine as long as Sean Payton is the coach. They have, There's nothing wrong with that team. They just need, they, Those poor guys just need to catch a break. Kansas City, on the other hand, I've seen it way too many times. The AFC West is all over the place. You know, who knows what Gruden's cooking up? He's, he's, he, who knows what he can do in the draft? So next week, are you going to watch the Pro Bowl at all? Oh, do we do we care about the Pro Bowl? Uh, no, we don't care about the Pro Bowl. I mean, the Pro Bowl. When is the when is the skills challenge? That's a great question because I was wondering. It's nice. Would show me some. It honestly, it could be tonight. Uh, maybe tomorrow. I, you know, I have not paid attention really to the Pro Bowl at all. It's just such a dreadful game. <laughs> but you know, it's an all-star game and. It does draw a rating, like it draws a legitimate rating for ESPN, believe it or not, uh, or whoever is airing it. I think it's ESPN. So oh, Thursday, thir- yeah, Thursday, nine p.m. Oh, that's tonight. That's right. Right, yeah, now. We're, we're, right now. Oh my god! So the second half of the show, we're gonna do live coverage of, of the skill show. Oh jeez. No, we'll, we'll, we'll pepper that in. Um, I I hate the Pro Bowl. Any any All Star game is is a mess, especially especially like the NBA All Star game now where they do the vote where they do the vote. Because the problem is it just messes up with history. Man, I'm glad they went NFC AFC because they had that awful stretch where it was like Michael Irvin versus Jerry Rice, <laughs> and, you, and you go back in history books, it's like this great game of the best from one conference, the best you know, and all of a sudden it's just like backyard baseball hodgepodge draft. And then they're going back to normalcy. I think the NBA is going to do the same. Actually, basketball is easier, though, because all those players have all played against each other or have played with each other. Um, but it actually, actually kicks off uh, – we'll start, we'll start a little early bit of fan mail. Continue on the rest of the season, or rest of the, rest of the show. Uh, speaking of the NBA, thank you all again for the emails, stephanacker.gmail.com. Our social pipes, keep pouring them in. Uh, recent news this week, they want to know, Flo, do you feel, uh, after all what's happened in his career in a year, do you feel bad for Carmelo? I mean, it's 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 one of those things where I do feel kind of bad because even a year ago, he was, I mean, he wasn't great a year ago, but he was still a threat and still like a legitimate player and a good player, even though he's not particularly efficient at all. 
But now he's just completely fallen off the face of the earth, it feels like. And for a guy that is, that for a long time was one of the most consistent and one of the most dangerous scorers, excuse me, off of the players uh, in the league and really in league history, to where now he's just become this afterthought and he was so bad in Houston. And then they basically sent him away and then they were trying to get rid of him and then they eventually trade him. And to scrap them and to go to the uh, Chicago Bulls, yeah. Uh, which I I don't get I don't get what the the Bulls are trying to get out of this because the Bulls right. are an atrocious team and one of the worst teams in the league. So, but yeah, I do kind of feel bad because his career has kind of fallen out the face of the earth just about, and I think he could probably still contribute something. But I mean, who cares what he ends up doing for the Bulls? But it's not like Derrick Rose where his career fell apart because he couldn't stay healthy. Although now Derrick Rose is like one of the top guys in all-star voting. And just had a tremendous, just having a great season uh, for Minnesota, just completely out of the blue. But yeah. so, I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point down the line, if like, if Carmelo, because I still think he's got a little more left in the tank. Uh, that he could be used if used properly as a as a quality score, but yeah, I I, I will admit, and I've never never been the biggest Carmelo fan, although I have always liked to watch them play. Um, I do kind of feel bad. Yeah, he's he's, he's a three time Olympian, and yeah, he was I think he was the scoring champ when he was with the Nuggets. He it's funny because they had an anniversary the other day where he scored uh, his career high. And 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 a and a, and, a, and, a, and a Nixon the Garden record sixty two points against the Bobcats. You know the day after James Harden dropped sixty one on the Knicks. Anything that that was the that was the best. Remember, Carmelo Anthony was a couple wins away from making the NBA Finals with the Nuggets. That, that mm-hmm. Nuggets team coached by George Carl, I believe they had. Is that, maybe that was when Allen Iverson was on the team. Kenyon Martin, Marcus Camby. So. That was JaVale McGee's coming out party. I thought, who the hell is this guy? So I, I, do feel, I do feel bad because you look at all the clowns. You see in the NFL, too, how there is, you know, with Tony Romo, he, was, he said that there are teams actually asking him to play instead of return to the, the commentary booth. So you see in the NFL all the time with their cycle quarterbacks and stuff like that. I'm sorry the NBA does not do that. He still because he was the perfect. I remember. I think it was the London Olympics. He was the perfect. Him and LeBron were viewed as the perfect international prototype basketball player. You know, upper upper six foot inch level, great outside jump shot. Uh, could also double down and play a four or five if they played small. I'm surprised no team has incorporated him in on that. Because that, in an offense, in a European offense like that, you could just give him free reign and do whatever he wants. That's the problem. I, I don't feel bad for all the baggage that's come with him because you reap what you sow, you practice what you preach. Uh, I just do feel, I do feel bad that no team has really given him a break. Because yeah, we can't, you know, we can't make fun of him anymore. We can't rag on him. <laughs> but, but the problem is his ego's too arrogant where he doesn't want to play with anyone else or be sort of a, a second banana to anyone. Which that's got that's got to be your first admittance of you need it. You need to not, you know, care so much what everyone says, and um, and roll out the punches. Times are changing, but times aren't changing here. 
When we come back, we'll talk uh, some baseball, tennis, NBA All-Star game. We'll answer your fan mail questions. Maybe a little Daytona 500, even though we're a month out from the race. But keep it locked <laughs> here. This is uh, Fanatic Radio, the Millennial Show. More after this, Block Talk Radio. It's, it's Fanatic Radio. Totes, malotes, dog. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Hi, this is Ben Florence from Fanatic Radio here for Clint Texas Salsa. Best stuff around. Get the hot player for a good kick. Next time you're in the salsa aisle at your local grocery store, pick Clint Texas Salsa and tell them Flo sent you. Millions of businesses count on Fiverr every day to get things done faster, better, and on budget. Fiverr.com is the world's largest marketplace for the professional and creative services you need to give your business a boost. Best of all, every service on Fiverr starts at just $5. Go to Fiverr.com now and discover how easy it is to find the exact service you need at the price you want. No bidding, no membership fees. Just browse, buy, done. Sign up today for free at Fiverr.com. Fanatic Radio. They stink! It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on... Blog Talk Radio. Back here on Fanatic Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Mike Arab and Florence. We are the Millennial Show. Uh, we talked some pre-Super Bowl jib-jab. Uh, Saints and the Saints. Rams, LA Rams. Shout out to, shout out to the LA Rams because... I'm at least glad that the Rams and Patriots next year, next week, by the way, uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Hotlanta. I am happy. I'm actually, I actually am happy. Again, I said I didn't really care who'd make the Super Bowl. I'm happy the Rams are in it because hopefully, I doubt this will happen, the NFL and the NFL Network will pay homage to the, the L.A. Rams of old, Deacon Jones and the like, Eric Dickerson and company, uh, the, great, the late, great George Allen. Um, it's been because it, that, that I've been a supporter. I've been a, a fan of the Rams ever since they moved back to the Coliseum. Uh, even though I think Goff is an absolute douche, love Todd Gurley. Think Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league, and if I had it my way, should be most valuable player. But no one listens to what I have to say anymore, apparently, except the, the local, <laughs> you know, the the, the the local media up in the the southern tier. But that's that's another story. The LA Rams. I hope. <laughs> cause that's the thing is, with the the Rams have the better record. They are the home team. I hope they rock their old school uniforms. Yellow mm. pants, navy or yellow pants, royal blue jerseys, helmet with the uh, with the with the orange with the yellow swirl. I will lose it. They have to. They have to do that. And then the Patriots, I'm glad they're back in the Super Bowl because I love it because the rest of the world hates it, you know, especially with everything going so political. People are mad because that's Trump's team. First congratulatory for Bill and the team was from POTUS. Uh, It just makes everyone squeam and squirm. And as I mentioned last week with James Harden's performances, I said we got to be appreciative of what we have. So Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl. Continuing to uh, to make history and fan, of course fan mail we do love it as mentioned earlier fanaticradio@gmail.com we keep we keep rolling answering your questions or not answering your questions speaking of Tom Brady does he solidify himself as the greatest of all time if he wins another Super Bowl 
I, I don't think there's any doubt in, in, uh, uh, in my mind. I think he can make a, a pretty good case, strong case, that he's already that. And if he just wins another Super Bowl, I think it's very hard to then try to say, oh, he's not. I, I think I think he is. It's interesting because I forgot who, who brought it up. It was a cool graphic, and it was saying who has a more impressive resume uh, Michael Jordan or Tom Brady? And I thought, well, Jordan never lost. That's the thing is, with like Montana and Jordan, they never lost. They, so you have all those cynics that say, oh. So uh, that's another thing. Like, what what gets better over time? The number of wins or the fact that you have a goose egg in the loss column. You know, knowing today, we, we have we have knee jerks over everything. So I still think I, you know, it's it's the chicken it's the chicken and the egg. Because Tom Brady's the great Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of the modern era, but he ain't he ain't no Hollywood Joe, you know what I mean? <laughs> Montana, it, it, it's 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 all the people you know they on the shoulder of Jets. That's what it is. It's the Johnny Unitas's, then the Montana, then Tom Brady. He's just he's just up there in a long list of greats that have come before him. Because but say someone is the greatest of all time, you can't even say Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, because you got Bill Russell in the mix. So it, it is he will be. I think he will be up there the greatest quarterbacks of all time. There's like but if someone says he is the greatest quarterback of all time, um, I will fight them. Not that I don't like. Not that I don't like Tom because I'm very I'm very excited that he's back. He's he's back in it with like the same cast of characters. Edelman Gronk is back in. Next, trying to win another Super Bowl. Um, Patrick Chung, who I feel like is a million years old. We got some new guys. We got Shawnee Michelle. Uh, we don't Ooh. have Malcolm Butler. So that's the thing is, there's no. I don't think that there's there's no drama. There's no there's no margin for error of who can be the weak link. But uh, yeah, that's that's Brady. Baseball Hall of Fame. They elected some new people. You, uh, as, a, as a baseball aficionado, Flo, are you satisfied with uh, who the Hall of Fame voted in? Uh, yeah, I don't have any issues with it. I think it took too long. Uh, I mean, everybody knew, even guys that, you know, aren't particularly huge fans of relievers getting to the Hall of Fame, which I admit I am, you know, sympathetic to that view. Uh, Mariano Rivera, the greatest mm. uh, closer of all time. It's not close. One of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. Uh, Your boy. Absolutely deserving. And a pretty good player to be chosen as the first or to be the first player to ever be elected unanimously to the baseball thing, which is such an absurd stat because, mm. you know, back in the day, for whatever reason, guys would be like, you know, uh, Joe DiMaggio. No. Uh, Ted Williams, <laughs> No. Because I think hey, so many people that sat, wanted to salvage or say the idea that there never were players to get into the uh, Hall of Fame by unanimous vote, which just goes to show, as we always talk about, how dumb the Hall of Fame voting is for baseball. But Mariano Rivera, very deserving. Um, Mike Messina, very deserving. Mm. A guy, one of the more underrated pitchers, a guy that pitched his whole career in the AL East, either for the Orioles or the. Yankees during a really tough offensive era was a tremendous player. He's very underrated. Took him too long. Edgar Martinez took too long to get in only because guys voted like he didn't play the field, 
Like there were, yeah. there were, you know, Paul Molitor played most of his career as a DH, and and it wasn't like Enzo Martinez w- was a bad fielder. He just had injuries, and then they, he couldn't really move and play the field. But he was just a tremendous hitter. And then there was um, who was the fourth guy? Well, I'm drawing a blank on the fourth guy to get to the Hall of Fame. That's uh, MLB Hall of Fame baseball. Was Enzo Martinez? Was he on that? Was he on the? Uh, the 129 win Mariners team. Uh, uh, Edgar Martinez, yes, mm. that team that uh, set the uh, the all time record. He's older in his career, but he's still an elite hitter. Um, who is the fourth guy that got in? I'm t- who am I, why am I drawing a blank on who? The fourth guy. Oh, it was um, uh, who was not? No, no, I'm it was Roy Halladay, a guy that yes. some of the stats. Manos had the longest career, but he had such a dominant run and was such a workhorse. I have absolutely no problem with him getting into the Hall of Fame posthumously as well. He, mm-hmm. at the peak of his era, even when he was playing for a division rival of my beloved New York Yankees, uh, when he uh, played for the Toronto, uh, I would call them the Toronto Raptors. But yeah, he's such a good pitcher, and it's, it's so fun to watch. He uh, brought he absolutely. brought the he brought the Blue Jays into like the 21st century. That's right. Because he was, like the, he was like the first good pitcher. It was like him and Johan Santana, like the first good mm-hmm. pitchers that I remember watching being like, these guys just, they, they have like no regard. They had no baggage as well. They were the first true examples of pitchers I watched growing up that like went and did their job. They like walked into the dugout and walked out, you know, unlike some other bombastic players or, or ones with more personality, which actually ties into the next fan mail because or actually ties into a follow-up that I have. Because another year, and now we're getting closer and closer to the end where the steroid guys are going to be past their level of, like, modern-day voting. In this, in this world where time is a healer and the voters are becoming more lenient on certain positions and issues, is it still a freeze-out of – some of the, of of the of the steroid era players, or do you think some will get in when they basically pull the the, the Lawrence Taylor method, saying, "Well, the stats don't lie." Uh, well, I mean, it's, if you're talking about stats don't lie, then Barry Bonds and and uh, you know Roger Clemens should have been in yesterday, and not only yesterday, hmm. they should have been in like five years ago, whenever they first yeah. appeared on the ballot. So. Uh, I do think ultimately that both guys are going to get in. There's been so much hypocrisy, and one of the things that's so infuriating is all these guys use the uh, the sportsmanship clause, and it's like there's so many bad guys and scumbags and degenerates and cheaters already in the Hall of Fame that nobody bats an eye about. But these guys who were played in an era, yeah, did they use steroids? It was never really definitively proven. Uh, hmm. But it's, it's widely accepted. But it was also widely accepted in an era where everybody, the media, the league, everybody just kind of stuck their head in the sand because it was important for baseball to kind of bounce back after the strike. It had the big home run chase and all that jazz. So that's a different story. I mean, now, like, Alex Rodriguez is going to be a very fascinating story because he hadn't failed tests. But he's also probably the best offensive shortstop who ever lived. So that's going to be yeah. the case. I do think ultimately Clemens and Bonds get in. 
I think that eventually we're getting more guys that are, you know, kind of a new wave of thinking, not these kind of old disgruntled scumbags that just dominate the ballot. But there have been guys that took for too long to get it. Jeff Bagwell took got in years after he should have. Uh, Mike Piazza should have been a first ballot guy. Uh, and because there were some quote unquote suspicions about him using steroids. So, as we know, the process is completely broken, but I do still think Bond and Clemens will get in. Are those, are those the only two from that era that you would let, if you had a vote, would let in? Um, you know, I, I, I was not into McGuire getting in because beyond the home runs, his stats really weren't even that uh, overwhelming. Uh, you know, he didn't even have 2,000 hits for his career, which is pretty crazy. He was an awful fielder. Uh, Sammy Sosa, another kind of an iconic slugger, but a one-dimensional player. But I also, I am a proponent, I'm a big haul guy. I believe that there should be, we should have, well, I, actually, let me rephrase that. I'm a big haul guy in the fact that we should be, you know, allowing more guys in than we should. I'm not for lowering mm-hmm. the standards, particularly for a guy like Jack Morris, who had no business being in the Hall of Fame. But that was just a whole dumb discussion as we uh, relitigated in the past. But, you know, if, if Sosa and McGuire were to go in, I have no issue with it. So, uh, you know, I'm try- there are other guys not there because there's such a logjam of guys now. Like Larry Walker, one of the, you know, yes. Guerrero got in. Larry Walker's numbers are very equivalent, probably better than Guerrero. Uh, and he's been, you know, lang- uh, you know, kind of lingering out there. Edgar Martinez took so long. There's so many guys from that era, especially now that, you know, they don't have 15 years on the ballot. They have 10 years on the ballot. So the process sucks. We all know it. It still sucks. But, I mean, Howard Baines got into the Hall of Fame on the veterans. <laughs> I mean, Howard Baines was probably a nice guy, and it, and it was a good hitter. But, I mean, come on. That just just goes to show – I mean, if you're going to let Harold Baines in, then Sosa should have been in, and McGuire should have been in, and you just go on down the line. Yeah, I mean, Harold Baines is the equivalent in the Hall of Fame of Jason Taylor getting in for Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just a, just a mediocre player, or just a decent player. Not great, not bad. I, I, you got to let some in. I don't know about all, but I think – what it this what it reminds me of is is how today's you know haters and cynics or just you know other just people view um like television shows and movies of yesteryear that people try to li- people try to link things pop culture and whatnot to today's standards and it's like it's like that's Christmas. I think it's called it. Baby, it's cold outside. How radio stations won't play it because in the Me Too environment, it's Dean, it's awful or whatnot. Or um, if like if you watch our, our, our last last week, we talked about how, how, how see people think like James Bond is, is toxic masculinity. You you have to look you have to look at things in context of the, of the of the then of the time period. Because like you were saying, a lot of media, they they loved the home run battles. They loved Bonds chasing Aaron. You know, the Ro- Clemens was the rocket. That's when the Yanks were great. That's when the Yanks 
had their, some of their best years when he was on the mound. So you, you have to look at it in the time in the time frame. Yeah, the time frame is tainted. Yeah, yeah, it stinks, but it happened. You know what I mean? It's like I always complain how I don't think the Cleveland Cavaliers should have won the NBA title because in 2016 because the NBA did not want the 71 Warriors to be better than the Bulls. Because no one's better than NBA. No one's better than Phil Jackson. So they made the Draymond Green suspension something that shouldn't merit a game suspension ultimately in the series, and that's another one of my great conspiracy theories. But it happened. Cleveland won. They have a stupid banner. You have to learn to live with it. If you let a because if you can't you can't just black out part of the game. It's like it's like mm, Michigan yeah. taking down the banners oh. of the Fab Five. Yes, they cheated, but there's a whole freaking documentary about them, and there's footage that they're actually playing and winning games and playing in the Final <laughs> Four. So to yeah. not let them in makes everyone look bad and look like degenerates. But then letting them in, no one no one wins in this situation. But if you let them in, generations now, you do have to recognize the steroid era, but you don't have to say it was the worst thing having a baseball. Because trust me, there's been worse things in sports. Like, oh, I don't know, like gambling in the early 1900s or, like, or, or, or shaving point. So cheating always happens and it's everywhere. Sooner we get yep. over it, the better. Uh, NBA All-Star, starters were chosen. Captains, the captains were chosen. Um, is it an in, of course the full rosters have not come out yet, but will it be an injustice if no one from the Denver Nuggets makes the All Star team? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I would be shocked if uh, if Nikola Jokic does not. Now mm, I've got the full surveying of the scene, but if at the very least Jokic doesn't get in, then we've got a problem. But that's just part of the thing where a team that has some terrific players, but not a lot of big-name players, not a lot of big-name guys. It's not a high-profile team. But Jokic should absolutely get in. I mean, is, is he really not in danger of getting in? Because, I mean, I, I think that would just be absurd. Well, he wasn't – that's the thing. Of course, I don't know what the next stage is. I guess the media votes helps vote some players in because um, of, like, the fans. So, if you look at the, look at the starts now, you got LeBron, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Harden, Paul George. Then you got the Greek freak, Joel Embiid, Kyrie, Kawhi Leonard, and Kemba Walker. Um, probably we should have been Victor Oladipo, but he's out for the season. But then we got guys like Luka Doncic in the mix because uh, of the voting. And so we have no idea. Let's take a look at the all-star voting, if they, if they even have it going on. Because the Nuggets are the second-best team in the West. And that's the thing is that, that takes more precedence over teams in the East because the East is about four good teams, and that's it. The West has like twelve good teams. As I, as I, as I looked that up, uh, we, we talk, as I looked that up about James Harden scoring last week, but it, do we? Is it, is it time that we? Is it time we take him seriously, or is it, is he is he like classic video game mentality, where everything goes through him through hell or high water? Well, I mean, whether hero ball is your thing or not, I mean, it's, it's again, we talked about this last week, and I think the week before, that the reason why Houston is now back in the playoff mix is because of James Harden putting the team on his back, uh, to quote the uh, legendary YouTube video. Uh, yes. And it's just been on a, just an absolute tear. And 
he's the kind of guy that you want to do that. And the amazing thing is that not like Kobe back in the day, where he'd be throwing up 40, 50, 60 points, but he would just take a million shots and be horribly inefficient and just exclusively isolable. Harden is doing it, at, which is a, just a ridiculous level of efficiency for the amount of usage that he is uh, put through because that's just what the team needs. So video game stats, I mean, the, the NBA game, and certainly to anybody that's been a fan that you know remembers the 90s, they would already say we're in video game stats, you know, throwing up threes all over the place, uh, tremendous scoring, uh, fun times for everyone, I guess, unless you're an old-timer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's, if it's video game basketball, it's video game basketball, but it's helping them win, and that's the important thing. Yeah, and then, of course, as we get deeper into the season, we'll bring up the argument of, of does he deserve another MVP title because he is, he is this year a true definition of a most valuable player. Because he is the team. Because Paul's hasn't mm-hmm. been back. They, they've won games. It's not like they lose games. Like 50. They win games. And, and that speaks volumes. Um, he, I think he's been fun to watch. I always love watching him just because he always complains to the refs every time. <laughs> Here's the thing with the NBA. Here's, if, you, if you watch it, you say, you get a James Harden drinking game. My brother and I did it once, and, I, and we almost threw up. It was, it was bad. It's classic Western <laughs> Conference too, where it's like 120 to 130 something. Um, oh, shout out, shout out to the Houston Rockets though. Dan, we we laughed at D'Antoni because they couldn't get their act together to know what they were doing. Yep. And now I think they're like fourth or fifth in the West. So look at that. Mm-hmm. Check that. They are fifth if the playoffs were to start today, which is great because the Lakers would not make the playoffs. More on that <laughs> for a later date. So things with the, the all-star voting. Fans account for 50% to determine the 10 starters. All current NBA players and media panel each account for 25% of the vote, with those voters completing one full ballot per two guards, three front court players. As of today, so I don't know where else the nuts and bolts of the rest of the team falls into play. I'm sure like people on the side of right will choose it, the team. But you have... But here's, here's the non-starters that are in the top, I guess, 10. Oh, no, that's too many. But here's just some notables that are up there. Jason Tatum of the Celtics is currently fourth in the front court. Jimmy, but- Jimmy Butler is fifth. Yep. Blake Griffin is sixth. Uh, interesting notable. Vince Carter is seventh on Eastern Conference front court players. <laughs> 41-year-old himself on the Atlanta Hawks. Guards, you got D. Wade. You have Ben Simmons. Kyle Lowry, who by the way leads the league in assists, I'd be I voted for him. I'd be very mad if he's not in it. Jeremy Lin, he's eighth on uh, Eastern guards there in the go. West. In the West, Luka Doncic, my boy, is second in front court for the West. Second in front court, your boy Nikola Jokic, by the way, seventh. He's behind Stephen Adams, Anthony Davis, Durant, who's in, Paul George, who's in, Doncic, and LeBron. And then just under Jokic, you got Kyle Kuzma, which he is nowhere closer to the All-Star game than the man on the moon. And then you have <laughs> guards, Russell Westbrook, who should be an All-Star this year. I think he's second in the, in the league in assists. And Oklahoma City actually is not garbage this year. Shout out mm-hmm. to Billy Donovan, by the way. When they – great uh, – I'll go with my thumbs up, thumbs down uh, about Billy Donovan. 
Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, who made nine with the nine straight threes the other day. DeMar DeRozan's up there, he's seventh. Lonzo Ball is eighth. So it's like we hate Los Angeles, except the Rams, um, and the Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Kimmel Live. But that is that is our that is our All Star talk, and uh, and then of course a final fan mail before actually yeah yeah final fan mail. Uh, let, let me get hold on let me get her name right. I told I, I don't want I don't want to botch it. Um, yes, we we go we go to we go to tennis Australian Open. Naomi Osaka is in the finals of the women's singles. Does she join the sort of Serena Sharapova lore if she wins another Slam, or is she just another tennis player out, out amongst the giant mass of female tennis players? Well, that's a great question because we have seen in the past uh, many uh, players break through, get that one slam. So that kind of almost is um, like either a fluke or one of those uh, situations to where it's a good player, but maybe it was a weak field if Serena got hurt or Serena got upset early. Uh, But, no, I, I do think that if she does win, uh, this tournament, the Australian Open. Yes, it's the least high profile of the tournament because they play the games like four o'clock in the morning in Australia. But I think that getting that uh, that you know that I believe her second Grand Slam title, big deal. And I think that would kind of set. She wouldn't. Get, she won't get the Serena level. Probably not Sharapova level. At least not yet. But she's uh, she is certainly making a name for herself. That's for sure. I didn't realize it's shout to our boys on PTI that if she wins today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever, whenever the hell a game is, uh, she'll be the first person since Jennifer Capriotti in 2001 to win her first slam and then return to a final the very next tournament. My thing with uh, it, because she brings up an interesting dilemma in tennis because on the me- on the men's side, we see the best are usually the very reserved, you know, passionate on the court, but just go about their business kind of guys. Then the dolls, the Federers, and then the ones that the ones that are winners but are like sort of second tier are the Djokovic's, the Andy Murray's, um, and I guess the field are either just randos or not big name personalities or have a lot of personality but don't. You know, they, they ain't Federer. They ain't got 16 majors. Women's side, it's very different. You know, because we, you know, the, the old, the old, great, the old adage in the marketing world, you know, sex sells and personalities sell. Sharapova was, is, is, was, you know, the, the young blonde haired girl from Russia that was a sex symbol. Serena, she is waving the torch activism and, and women's rights and, and, you know, uh, like black female athletes, black athletes in general. Osaka, though, only being 21 years old, she ain't, you know, she ain't, uh, she ain't Coco Vanderweight. She ain't Max Stan. They ain't yelling on the court. She's not complaining. She doesn't care. She, yeah, because that's the thing. You look at it nowadays, and in the NBA is a great example. NFL is a great example. You know, Michael Irvin once had a quote about Deion Sanders saying people, you know, 
think Dion was arrogant when he played football. The uh, the empty truck that goes over the tracks makes the loudest noise. And I hundred I hundred percent stand by that because I hate Deion Sanders. Urban's a hack. They're both loud and annoying. Because you look at Odell Beckham, he ain't you know he ain't going to Super Bowl. He ain't won a Super Bowl. Antonio Brown, like you look at those guys, and then you look at the guys that do their job. They're you know, they don't get the recognition they uh, deserve. A great example is Mike Trout, one of the greatest players of our generation, and he gets no love, which makes me very sad. Yet who gets all the love in baseball? Bryce Harper because he's screaming, flipping, flipping the bat, and clowning around or whatever. Uh, and the guy's yeah. never been to a World Series. Only does Mike Trout, but he ain't got three MV- Bryce Harper hasn't had three MVPs like Trout does. So it's a, it, tennis is at a crossroads if she wins. Because does she just she join the norm, or do they elevate her to to uber status? I'm very excited to see that. Uh, one more break. When we come back, thumbs up, thumbs down. Q Lock, Camp and Akron. It's Fnatic Radio. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fnatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. You cannot be serious! But it's time for Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. That's what our critically acclaimed segment, What's Good, What's Bad in the World, not just the sports. But uh, just our lives, something we saw on TV, something we read on a, in a book. Uh, this is thumbs up, thumbs down. My Garden Ben Florence, we have Fnatic Radio. So always kind of podcast mm. on iTunes. People 360, social pipes, great content as always. Hall of Fame, All-Star Game, Super Bowl 53. Thumbs up, thumbs down, flow. I know, we've had, we've had busy weeks. What's been going on? What's been going on? Oh, geez. Well, you know, obviously the big story uh, in my neck of the woods is the, and a lot of other neck of the woods, is the government shutdown. And our first uh, thumbs up is going to go to two of my uh, esteemed, uh, and um, frankly, in at least one case, omnipotent colleagues. That's a hell of an adjective. I just pulled out. That's a two-word. Kristen Brown, who's kind of the uh, the rock star of the, uh, among many rock stars of the Fox News White House unit, and uh, my good friend Sarah Tobiansky, one of the uh, uh, newbies, just got liberated from the, dare I say, third place Fox News at night. Uh, okay, second place. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> the, the, the who's who's shot. first? Who's first? Is this still Hannity? Well, yeah, Hannity is number one in the ratings at 9 o'clock. Uh, what I'm referring to Fox News at night at 11 is they usually finish behind your boy, Brian Williams. But uh, hmm. my, but my friend Sarah, who now is part of the Weekend Warrior gang that we got. Yes. Uh, which is fantastic. More on that next. But uh, Chris and Brown posted that on Facebook that uh, they're both at the White House today. Sarah Tobianski and I have found a solution to the shutdown. Nancy Pelosi changes her mind, invites Trump to give the State of the Union. He goes to the Capitol. All members of Congress file into the House chamber to listen to it. And then we as a nation burst from our hiding places, surround the building, lock every single door in the Capitol, and no one gets out until the government is reopened. If we were to do that, I think that would save America, get the government back open, keep the C-SPAN cameras going, because that would be spectacular and some of the best television of all time. So, Thumbs up to the two of them 
uh, not only for their great work, uh, which it is great work, but important work in coming up with ideas like this that, again, can save America. You know, another White House, uh, esteemed White House uh, producer, the newest member of the White House team, actually that's technically not true, but uh, we'll say it anyways. And also just a, uh, a, another one of me, of one of the leaders of the Weekend Warriors, is my good friend Kellyanne Jones, and we're giving her a thumbs up because uh, I don't think I've given her a thumbs up on the show before, and she just uh, does a hell of a job. And again, I have just tremendous respect for anybody that has to work the weekend, particularly anybody has to suffer working through the weekends with me. So we give a thumbs up to uh, her as well. And uh, we'll also give a thumbs up. I'm currently drinking a Diet Pepsi. And uh, thumbs mm. up to Diet Pepsi, a much better product than Diet Coke. I drink a, uh, more, much more uh, diet soda now because zero calories and zero points on the um, – uh, Weight Watchers, uh, which continues uh, to go great. So thumbs up to that. And um, thumbs down is going to go to... Hmm. You know, I'm going to say thumbs down to shaving cream. Shaving cream is getting expensive, man. And even like non... Even like, you know, the knockoff brand stuff, I feel like it's not cheap like it used to be. Like, you get one of those little bottles, they like a few dollars. It's like, come on now. So shaving cream, and that's just another one that I pulled out of my ass. And I was also inspired to think about because um, I literally just got shaving cream a couple hours ago. Also, another thumbs down as a burp, excuse me, to uh, one of the downsides of losing weight is that now all my clothes are relatively big on me, or at least Mm. the clothes that were fitting great before, and now they don't fit particularly well. So thumbs down to that as well. Did, did that did that happen to you? But did that happen to you before? When you lost weight and you were like, now my jeans don't fit me anymore. Yeah, I think I have said that. And you know, I remember back in uh, back uh, back in uh, AU, I lost a ton of weight, like like twenty pounds in a semester. And then all my none of my clothes were fitting, and it was just a complete mess. But that was also a time where I didn't really pay attention to how I looked. They go like, eh, I could just get by as being a great guy, uh, which a it turned out to not be true, and b I found out that you, you even if you don't have to look great, you need to look passable and not like a dickhead. So now I pay a lot more attention to that. So I guess that's another thumbs down. Well, losing weight's a thumbs up, but now forever having oh, to buy absolutely. clothes, thumbs down. Uh, thumbs up goes to Dub Nation. Warriors watching them play the Wizards right now. Such a laughable franchise. Love how Liana still has uh, op- high hopes that something will get turned around, but they just blew a 10 point lead in the span of a minute. Uh, the phone booth is rocking. Oh, I guess it's not the phone booth anymore, Capital One Arena. Uh, Bradley Beal, his talents are being wasted on this franchise. Yeah, Otto Porter. Otto Porter's still in the mix. We still got him in the mix. Austin Rivers. Uh, Dwight Howard is not in the game right now. Jeff Green, I didn't realize he was on the, the Wiz. John Wall's out with the heel, and I think actually the Wizards are playing better without him, which is great. Uh, Kevin Durant's back at home, so he's going to drop like 40 tonight. We love that. I actually have some good thumbs up. I'm actually planned this time, because normally I'm not, and the fans have noticed. Uh, thumbs up goes, first thumbs up goes to Ichiro. The fact that he's willing oh. to play again. Is fantastic. One of my one of my more beloved players growing up. Uh, in his forties, 
He's only doing it, though, because the Mariners are playing in Japan. So he's, he's, I still think he's such a sellout for doing it. But, hey, if he can get some hits, more power to him. Shout out, because that gives us so much hope that when we're, we're in our 40s, we could still be professional athletes if we put our heart and soul to it. So thumbs up to Ichiro. Thumbs up to uh, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. I guess the, uh, the, the tourism bureau of those, of those twin cities Great ad I saw the other day where it said Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, uh, a vacation. Uh, yeah, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, vacation you won't believe. It's catchy. It rhymes. I want to go there now. Having never been as far east as Sweden, I want to go to Jerusalem and Tel Aviv just because of that commercial. It was great. And Tel Tel Aviv is actually a really cool city. Uh, the fact that I am very cheap and would have to, and would probably have to go like during the winter, considering uh, my laughable schedule in the summer. But thumbs thumbs up to good. That's the other thing. Thumbs up to good marketing, which of course I include Old Spice and Crown Royal. Uh, these, this, these, I, I give these people the love because off of the coattails of the infamous Gillette ad, in which the entire male, entire male sex was just you know. Sucker punched in the gut. Old Spice comes out with this great commercial starring the dude from Blackish. And I don't know what other show he's in, but it's this great, like, 30 second spot. It's on YouTube. Um, it starts off with it's like a very sort of, uh, you know, night in the window, the, you know, the, the satin curtains are flowing through the wind, a woman sitting on the couch, candles, bottle of champagne. Guy walks in at the robe, and he's like, we got to talk. And he's like, I'm out of body wash. And the woman's like, oh, yeah, yeah you smell. <laughs> have you seen this commercial? You know what I'm talking about? I have, yes, yes. Now I know. Now I'm going. Thumbs up to that because it's a great, it's a great message. That's a, it's a great message to show that, you know, men, we, we need our own body wash. Because guys with girlfriends or significant others know what I'm talking about. They use our deodorant. They use our body wash. I have been guilty pleasure of this because it has happened to me in the past. We need, so I'm going to buy that stuff. Plus, because the weather's been so damn cold, and that's my that'll be a thumbs down. My skin is dry, and my my great my great uh, current lotion, Jurgen's Natural Glow. It it I think it's only good for like warm weather climates. Um, knowing knowing that knowing that my ex. I can't say by name the great Aunt Mary Ed because you know we left on good terms. We're still good. We're st- we still talk to each other. She yeah. she uses it and I, she inspired me. I I was inspired by it. Unfortunately, I don't think it works in cold weather climates because like my skin peels really fast. I need I need I need. But I think I think for me it's the body wash. It starts in the shower because I have swagger from Old Spice now, or I just use bar soap, which I think is bad for my skin. So because of this commercial. Men, men have skin too. You know, we need love. We need our own scent. I'm gonna buy it with, with shea butter, which we love. Uh, and, and thumbs up goes to Crown Royal because there's a guy. He's they say like you know wealth. The tagline is wealth. People say wealth is by cars and possession, cars and money or something like that. And the guy is carrying a bottle of of Crown of Crown Royal through through the streets, passing by like the deli, helping a woman you know pick something from a tree. And he gets there, 
His mom's cooked him this beautiful meal, and he toasts to the best mom in the world. It's like these, that's the thing with the, and the thumbs down goes to Gillette because I understand the message of what it was and how guys definitely need to hold other men accountable. But in, in a day and age where things are so negative and everything is so doom and gloom, it's almost refreshing to see a positive ad. Or not, I'm not saying like the Doritos ad where like a dog's got to eat chips. Yeah, like those are ridiculous. There's, there's, a, there's a fine line between humorous, funny, and ridiculous. You know, ads that have sort of subliminal messages, but with a feel-good thing, feel-good mentality. We need more of that. We need more positivity and happiness in the world. And Crown Royal and Old Spice got the job done, which is, I've I used Old Spice since high school. So shout out to them. We love those great commercials when Tony Stewart used to endorse it. One of yeah. my favorite ads of all time was uh, Tony Stewart sitting on like a throne and this woman in a fur coat walks up to him and she's got like a plate of fried chicken and he's like, she's from Russia. Just go watch it. I think it was a swagger from Old Spice commercial. But Tony Stewart was one of the best endorsers of Old Spice. Hate the guy as a driver, but love smoke forever. Um, thumbs up to those. Thumbs up to brands that do it right. Because there's companies that try to force the action and and they and they come up short. Uh, thumbs up to Gladys Knight. I mentioned that last week. Singing the national anthem <laughs> at the Super Bowl. We love the Pips. We love Motown Soul. You know the NFL is weirdly making a lot of good decisions, which is kind of scary to me because you know they're still the evil empire and they're still corrupt. Um, you know, I like when they say that concussions are down. It's like yeah, because football participation is down. And the, and more flags were thrown for headhunting penalties, but um, thumbs up to the skills challenge that's coming up. Thumbs up to the Bears. Speaking of the NFL, thumbs up to the Bears um, because the NFL showed this again. When I, I said it's weird, the NFL is, start, is starting to do things right. There was a great ad. Well, actually, I read it. Actually, read it in like in the New York Chicago Tribune, but it was an ad where the NFL. It's 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 sort of the giving back to the community. The Bears partnered with an organization where they they're, they're going into schools and they're setting up talks with like local law enforcement and kids. And they aren't just scrubs. This is who is it? It was a uh, Prince Amanura, who I believe is a Pro Bowler or was or is a good player. Trey Burton, starting tight end. So these are good players from the Bears. That's what you need. You don't need. You know the nation hating you. You cause you don't you don't bring the nation involved, or you don't start the conversation. You continue it, and I'm glad the NFL is actually taking it seriously, because that's what it starts with the NBA, with the NFL, and pretty much any other pro league. That's where it starts. It starts in your own backyard. Don't drag me into this. I I have a good moral compass. I know what's right and wrong, but some kids in your own city may not. And I'm glad the Bears are taking. I don't what other. And I think. That needs, uh, thumbs up to that commercial because that needs to be mandatory for every NFL team. I want to see 32 of those commercials because that, again, feel good. It makes you happy. It doesn't make you think of Colin Kaepernick. It makes you think, like, these organizations actually do care about their communities and they aren't just, you know, doing the 10-second the spot of the food bank. They're actually trying to bring some positive change in their community, you know, not by monetary gifts. So thumbs up to the Bears. Um, 
And and final thumbs up goes to Dirk, my boy, Dirk Nowitzki. He voted into the All-Star game, which is a travesty. Thumbs up to Dirk because he announced this week that he will be competing in the three-point contest come February, which I'm very excited for because the guy won it, I think, in 06 or 07. My my concern, he's not going to win, obviously, uh, because his release is not quick. And God knows it is old age if he's going to be able to put up 30 shots <laughs> in, in like in like 10 in, in, in 20 seconds or however long it is, 40 seconds. Uh, but thumbs up to Dirk that he's still – the last time Dirk was in the All-Star game, he was a replacement and pulled off one of the greatest celebrations after a simple layup when he did the Vince Carter pose. So Dirk's going to be such a mess. Uh, and we love it. Thumbs down goes to Amazon uh, for this commercial I saw. It's a lot of commercials. I've watched a lot of TV over the past few last week. Thumbs down to Amazon for this commercial with a kid and a pet pig. Now, I go to airports and I see dogs everywhere. But who has a pet pig? If you have a pet pig, email us at thefnacradio.gmail.com and we will make fun of you because that's not a understand who raised I understand I, I guess people on the farm but this kid was like living in like an apartment I'm like oh you're like you're a pig in Queens I'm like this doesn't happen it makes it's stupid um thumbs down to thumbs down to Amazon for continuing to endorse the weird just mail my package in a timely manner and do less Bezos we're watching you Thumbs down goes to the Bleacher Report app. Uh, I, I I pulled a knee-jerk reaction. Again, James Harden. And the, when I first downloaded it, entered my stuff, the cable provider and all that, or, 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 yeah, entered, like, the authentic, whatever. I got to watch, I got to watch a little bit of, of the NBA, which is fantastic. But now, mm. it's not anything anymore, because it, it's like games cost, like, seven bucks a game. And I'm thinking to myself, one, you are you're owned by Turner, so you think anything on Turner Network? Uh, I guess it's not. Then it's um, it's also a thumbs down because we hate I hate because we we loathe Bleacher Report. They are because I could just watch the games on the internet, or. Fox usually does. Fox usually does a good job showing the Fox affiliates. TNT, we love we love Kenny and Sir Charles. Um, so I don't understand what the point of it is. And the things that are are like at two in the morning. So thumbs down to Bleacher Report. Thumbs down to Bleacher Report. They're they're only there off the coattails of Turner. You know, that's the only reason why they got the Champions League because of TNT acquiring the rights for it. They don't know what they're doing. Their game, their their, their original content is stupid. The writers are trash. They're not certified journalists, so thumbs down to them. And then thumbs down to the Reds. Um kind of baseball teams that honor their broadcaster. I don't I don't I know we're in the media and I and I being a former man myself especially with baseball because especially the baseball guys, the old guys now that are retiring. And the only reason why I give thumbs down to that is they did not have to work hard for their jobs. Nowadays, no one it takes people, you know, like 30 years just to even get an interview with a baseball team. You know what I mean? You got to go through the minor league ranks. The Vince Scullys and this dude from the Reds and the late great Hawk Carlson 
They they didn't like they worked hard for their jobs, but they didn't have to compete with the rest of the country. You're like Vince Scully was just there, and they hired him. Am I wrong about bashing these? I mean, these guys are timeless, and I'm sure they and like they worked hard, yeah, because they couldn't do anything else. Am I right to bash these people, or am I going to get chastised for this next week? Well, sorry about that. They're a little. Uh, Shout out to the Simpsons. Too. Great, great quote for the Simpsons, though. Yeah, so I, I was I was checking out something on Instagram and got the audio <laughs> uh, streams mixed up. But yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I I don't agree with the idea that like you know baseball or broadcasters don't have to work hard. You know, you know, our buddies. I do. You athletics know that you know it's a very difficult business to break into. So. Especially if guys are able to get a big league gig and are able to do it for uh, quite a while, I, good for them. Now, if they suck, then we can hate them. But if they don't, that's what. The is there's a guy, I don't know his name, but he does um, – he's played out play for the White Sox. He has cerebral palsy. And he does. And he's a great commentator. He does uh, college basketball games. That's I, right. I think Bianchi, Bianchi's his last name. He does a great job. Benetti. J- Jason yes. uh, Benetti. Great. He does a fantastic job on college basketball. I had no idea he was the White Sox play-by-play guy. I think the only guy I knew was Dave O'Brien was the Red Sox, uh, and he does ESPN games. He's not used enough either. Yeah, I've already I've, – because I've, I've already given thumbs down to, like, Dick Vitale. But, yeah, we give – especially the old guys, we give them way too much credit. It's a, the, only, the only thing with the, the struggle is there are a lot of baseball games, and, and baseball on the radio especially, that's a lot of filler. I've never done baseball, nor do I want to. Um, also, want to give a final shout out to actually, yeah, Flo. Any any, any final shout outs before we uh, before we close out tonight? Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't have anybody. I I used up all my shout outs and thumbs up. All right, well, I'll give I'll give a final shout out to um, uh, to Boogie Cousins almost getting into a fight. Leopards don't change his spots, and he just got teed up. Golden State's up by a nine, by the way. Actually, I want to give a, a shout-out to, uh, to college basketball, as always. Uh, a lot of good – shout-out to a lot of the, uh, the the teams lurking in the shadows that will potentially be good tournament teams. And I add, uh, I add Iowa to the mix on that because they're beating Michigan State right now in, a, in, in Iowa City. So it's a tough road game. But they're in the mix. The Maryland Turgeons got his team on the right track. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Buffalo lost, but Kansas doesn't. Texas Tech is still lurking around in the top ten, I think. So thumbs up to college basketball. It's still going great. So I'm going to shout out to my cousin, great Kyle Kirchival. Speaking of broadcasters, by the way, it's that's what he wants to do. He is getting his start. Wait for it. Wait for it. In Pioneer. Pioneer League, affiliate of the Colorado Rockies, the Grand Junction Rockies. So he will be great evidence of where his career goes. But but thumbs up and shout out to uh, to my cousin. Always great. He's I think he's the only cousin that's following in my footsteps of the broadcasting media world. So uh, so thumbs up, shout out, shout out to him. And I'll do it for this episode of Fnac Radio. We we managed to get through that in complaints. Next week, Flo and I may or may not be in Atlanta, but we will talk Super Bowl, where Tom Brady stands, what, what will happen if the Rams win. Um, 
And then any other, any other random news that happens, because by this time next week, we will almost be to February, which means we're less than a month away from the Daytona 500. So, God willing. Oh, wow. This never mind. Forget everything I said about Iowa. They were winning this game. They're up by five. And then Izzo's team just went on a tear up 71-57, which I guess is still in striking distance. And I don't even know how much time is left. But Iowa, dangerous they make the tournament. They can shoot threes. That's the key. Michigan's another team. Even though they lost on the road to Wisconsin, they're a dangerous team. Uh, but we'll be back next week with, with, more, with more love, more jokes, more roastings. But for, uh, catch us on the podcast on iTunes. Catch the podcast, Block Talk Radio, People 360, the podcast on, on, on iTunes, Ben Florence on my garden. It's Smith Snack Radio. We are the Millennium Show. Mm-hmm.